after last weekend's celebration, things got a little weird in Tony's head. And so I didn't quite get the information to Claudia. So our first reading is from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. And you'll find that on page 683 of your Pew Bible. Listen to God's word. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that you may see your good works and give glory, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Our second reading is from the book of James, chapter 2, verses 14 through 17, and that is on page 855 of your pew Bible. Listen again to God's word. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. When I wrote this, I had no idea anybody from the seminary was going to be here. (laughs) I hope nobody goes back and tells on me. Primarily because I'm going to do something up here that I do from time to time. Uh, You remember Martin Luther and John Calvin? Okay. I'm going to disagree with them this morning. Both Martin Luther and John Calvin wanted to see the book of James taken out of the canon of Scripture. And if you don't know about them, then it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And even though I disagree with them on that one, I know where they're coming from. James focuses a great deal on how we're supposed to behave ourselves. Luther and Calvin both kind of interpreted that as works salvation. In other words, getting yourself into heaven in spite of God's grace not having anything to do with it. And I don't think that's what James meant at all. And we'll get there. The other one that I do agree with them about is they thought revelation should be removed from the Bible. I could not agree more. Which means at least I'm in good company on that one. Luther included it in his translation of the Bible. Neither one of them had the temerity to just leave it out. But Calvin would not preach from it, and he never wrote a commentary on it. It was there. That's enough. 
both of them felt like leaving it in there, that could lead to a theology that was totally absurd, that was built solely on this one book and the messages that seemed to be tucked away at its edges. If somebody asks you what the book of Revelation means, do you have an answer? Some of you do. I'll give you an answer, and I'll give you the true answer. Revelation is telling us, you're persecuted right now. We're not, but at the time, the church was being persecuted. But that persecution was going to end. God would take care of Rome. Everything would be better. And then persecution would come again sometime, and God would take care of that. And it doesn't really matter, according to John, who wrote, uh, John of Potmos, who wrote Revelation, it doesn't matter what time you're living in. Those times come and go and come and go. What matters is that you live faithfully regardless of the circumstance. That's all it means. Now, why it took John Apotmos that long to get around to it, I don't know. But it does have some interesting places in it, and it's fun to read if you don't take it too seriously. But James, they felt, was too focused on work and not enough on grace. And remember that they were raised in the church. There was only one Christian church at the time. And they were raised in it, and it, that church stressed doing all the right things so you could go to heaven. And Luther and Calvin both saw James as promoting salvation by works. Do the right things. Get to heaven. Question, theological question. Do you have to be baptized to be saved? I know you're afraid to give the wrong answer, but try saying something. No. no. You're Presbyterian. I'm so proud of you. Or at least Reformed. That's good. We do something like baptism in obedience to God. But God and God's grace save us. Keep those two things in mind. They matter. Luther and Calvin both were amazing Bible scholars. They forgot more than any of us are ever going to know. I don't know where they kept it all. But I think part of it has to do with the fact that Luther loved his beer and his sausage. And that kept him constipated and cranky most of his life. I'm not making that up. Calvin seemed, by his behavior, to want a theocracy under John Calvin. God was in charge, but Calvin would take care of everything else, including burning people who disagreed with him, unless he really loved them, and then he'd just lop their heads off because that was quick. But they were both great theologians. They were both intellectual colossus within that reformed movement. Unbelievable thinkers. But they were also just human beings. And they were broken, just like the rest of us. So I feel safe disagreeing with them about James, even though I'm not 
the intellectual colossus that they were. But I don't disagree with them about Revelation. I'm afraid I have to agree with them on that one. Jesus tells us we have to be like light and salt. That's what we are. But why light and why salt? Okay, I'll tell you. Neither of them have anything in common except for one simple fact. They're essential to life. Think about that. If we didn't have the sun and have light, if there wasn't salt, not, not only this stuff we put on our food, which we could use less of, I'm sure, but it tastes good. We're talking about the kind of salt that is provided in our environment, the foods we eat. But Jesus is talking about salt in a way that we don't often think about it. At one point in time during the Roman Empire, salt was worth more than gold. Whoa. I've got a fortune in my cabinet at home. Probably most of you do too. But without light, this planet was always dark. What then? Nothing grows. No more tides, no more rain, no more nothing. Without the sun, we wouldn't even have snow. Light and salt not only make life better, they make it possible. They are essential. And Jesus comes to us and says, you are that important in this world in spreading the gospel that I'm giving you and I want you to share it. Get out there and do some good things. Do the things, do things the way I'm teaching you. And you'll be the salt and the light. I understood kind of Calvin's objection to James. Luther's I'm a little shakier on, but I get where he's coming from. Luther believed in salvation by grace alone, just like Calvin. But he also said good works matter. Not because they get us to heaven. He wouldn't have said that ever. But because they are an expression of our faith and our gratitude to the God who has saved us. And I think Luther probably would agree with James in the statement that faith without good works is dead. Can you imagine not doing the things Jesus calls on us to do and then calling ourselves Christian? Can you separate those in your mind? There are things we do because of who we are in our Lord. We're grateful, so we do good things. And that's James's point, I think. We do those good things because those are the things God wants us to do. And for no other reason. Simple obedience. There are two people in the New Testament who are consistent in their demands that we do the right things. One of them is James. The other one's Jesus. 
He doesn't just tell us what to believe or what to think. He says, here's what you do. Because everything you do comes from your heart and that's where your faith is. Whoa. That's heavy. If we strike James from Scripture because it calls us to do what is right, then we've got to strike the Gospels too. And we're not about to do that. Jesus tells us that good works honor God. That good works promote faith in the world around us. And that's exactly what James is saying. You're the light of the world. You're the flavor of the world. You pass those things on through the things you do. By making your faith visible. And Jesus teaches us that faith without good works is not faith. Jesus says that such faith, James says that such faith is dead. I tend to agree with him. Anybody ever asked you when you were saved? Now, you've known me long enough, some of you, that you know the right answer to this. But if somebody comes to you and says, when were you saved? What's the correct answer? 2,000 years ago and every day since. That's the whole point of living our faith. Christ's salvation is not... It's not a stagnant, unmoving thing. It's not captured by inertia. Faith that's captured by inertia is dead. But the salvation that God gives us is an active process. Not something that happens one time, but something that happens one time for all time. And we live into it remembering that. Living our faith is an active process. And living our faith means we have to take Jesus seriously. And stop kidding ourselves. Well, he didn't really mean it that way because that's not how this world is now. It was a different time and place. Stop it. How different it is is because of us, not because of God. Stick with what Jesus has been telling us. Remembering that Jesus' word is law. Jesus is not telling us to run down to the corner and throw Bibles and Bible tracts at people and tell them how terrible they are and how great we are. Sorry, I almost knocked it off. He's not doing that. He's not telling us, you know, go belong to the right church. Go belong to the right social groups and civic groups and attend the right public functions. So that people see you and know that you're the right kind of person. But James wasn't telling us that either. Both Jesus and James are telling us to do good for others quietly. Because we love them the way God loves them. No other reason. Do it because you love them. 
And they're both saying the good we do draws people in. The good things we do in this world are the best evangelism tool we have. When people see us actively living out our faith, we hope in such a way that it will make them say, I want some of that. How did you get to this point? Then we get to tell them. And it's the best way to spread the good news of salvation. We do it not because we want to go to heaven. We do it because God sacrificed for us and we are appreciative. We are his grateful children clinging to the hem of his robe. Amen. Come, let's stand and say who we are and to whom we belong. Members of the church are emissaries of peace and seek the good of humanity in cooperation with authorities. But they have to fight against pretension and injustice when these same authorities endanger human welfare. Their strength is in their confidence that God's purpose, rather than humanity's schemes, will finally prevail. In Christ is eternal. His resurrection is God's sign that he will consummate his work of creation and reconciliation beyond death and bring to fulfillment the new life begun in Christ. Thank you.